Hey everyone, welcome to Between Us, the podcast that dives deep into the inner workings of our relationships in order to help you live a more authentic and meaningful life. I'm your host, Shadman. Today, I have a good friend of mine, Nick, on the show today. Um, a little bit of background about Nick before we go ahead and get started. So Nick is a software engineer who loves to cook and is a really active person. You'll see this man running, you know, record-breaking marathon times on, you know, broken knees, broken limbs. And, you know, when we're in a current kind of normal state of things, he will, you'll often find him traveling around the world. So uh, I'm super excited to have Nick on the show today. I've known Nick, uh, we actually went to college together. And so we've known each other for about four or five years. In, in both of our views, I'm sure it's, we're thinking eh, too, too, too many years instead, knowing how much we've gotten to know each other. But I'm um, super excited to have Nick on the show today. Yeah. Hey, Shad. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, um, you know, kind of give a little bit of further background of when we met. So we met as part of like a club on campus in college and that kind of led to us going through the organization, you know, kind of leading different committees in that organization and leading the organization as a whole. And then from there, kind of towards the end of our end of my time, at least in college, we kind of lived together in a house filled with people that were part of this organization. So we have a lot of really great memories to look back upon. We've kind of talked about a lot of things in regards to, you know, relationships, life, just, you know, things when we were in school, trying to give each other advice and everything. So um, I'm super excited to kind of talk to Nick today about something that we've been talking about more recently amongst ourselves and with some other friends in regards to kind of generational issues and how we go about communicating across different generations. Um, so I just want to go ahead and kind of dive straight on in, Nick, and just kind of understand, you know, how have you kind of managed your own communication style when you look at, you know, people from different or different generation from us. So like in, in the professional setting, in your family setting, in your social setting, how has that kind of communication style worked for you with people who are both older, um, in an older generation than you, as well as like a younger generation from you? Yeah, I mean, I think like it's interesting because um, really, at least for me, the way like I interact with other generations is really much like from how I was raised with my family right um so like for example within my family it's like pretty like traditional Asian family you know like immigrants from Vietnam so like I guess I'm like first or second generation or whatever um so for the most part it's like still pretty traditional like you don't talk back to your like elders you have to respect everyone you know like you still call everyone by like their appropriate titles um but I think that like creates a situation where like now that like especially I'm getting like older, it becomes harder to, um, I guess like still play that like same subservient role that you should play, right? Like when you're younger, it's very easy mm -hmm. for you to just be like, okay, like I'm gonna respect my elders no matter what. Like they say this, they must be right. Whereas like nowadays, like I'm finding myself in positions where like I'm trying to like be more vocal about my opinions. Mm -hmm. It's like I still have to be able to like convey those without like overstepping the line, right? Um, right. So I think like that's been more of like the issue not not issue but that's been more of like the difficulty in communication 
um, I guess that's like more like my family side. And I guess like with impl- like the way I interact with other people outside my family, it's like pretty much like the same, right? Like, cause like, for example, like speaking the way I speak to my manager would be exactly the same way. Like I try to voice my opinion, but I like make sure like I don't overstep any lines. Whereas like I've like seen other people and the way they talk to my manager and they're very direct. Like they don't give, you know, they don't care at all. They just tell him straight up, like, that's a bad idea. Like, this is a stupid idea. Let's not do it. Whereas, like, I feel like for me, that's not something I'm able to do. Uh-huh. So how much of that is a function of kind of, I guess, the structure, the societal structure you're working within? Or how much of that is just your own self-belief in terms of what you can and cannot do? And do you find that kind of as a gray area where those two ideas kind of mesh together into one in terms of how you go about deciding oh you know there's a certain fine line i gotta make sure i don't overstep here yeah yeah of course i mean i would say like in the, i would say like most of like the pressure to like be respectful and things obviously comes from societal like uh i guess yeah like societal beliefs versus my own like personal beliefs so i'm getting it made sense to me and i was like oh yeah like you know like f it you know we don't need to like deal with societal beliefs mm-hmm. let's just like like you know just live our own lives like you know just mm-hmm. let me be vocal about my opinion um but i think like the more time i spent like thinking about that it kind of made sense for me to like find a balance right because like as much as like sometimes i like feel like you know certain things are like way too traditional it makes sense to at least be like respectful towards those things you know what i mean and even though it's like giving up part of like my like like ideas and like being able to be, like be vocal it's like fine because as long as like i'm being respectful like yes it's fine Mm -hmm. yeah so do do you feel as if sometimes that that kind of line that you have to make sure that you don't step over is is that kind of restricting some of your own self-identity exploration and expression or do you feel as if that there is some sort of some sort of power that also comes from knowing your place in a certain a certain social setting or group setting that does allow you to define a place for yourself and communicate effectively still within that defined role yeah i mean i think really like what it boils down to is how at least like again this is like all my experience so i don't know how this like plays into other people's experiences but like in my experience like the way family has always been is like it, obviously if you're younger that doesn't just mean like oh like you're the younger one but really it comes with like this mentality that because you're younger that means like you don't know anything right like we're like uh-huh. it's like a it's like a tradition of like oh like older people know everything so uh-huh. like for you to like question for you to like talk back means like you're just being disrespectful because clearly you don't know anything because you're just too young uh-huh. so i think in that sense yeah like it creates like this issue where it's like when you're trying to explain to them like the things like you want to do right like you, let's say like you're like oh like i want to go you know simple example like you're like oh i want to go like snowboarding right and then they'll tell you like, no, you can't go snowboarding because, you know, the mountains are dangerous. You know, you're going to die. And then you have to like try like, you know, conveying to them like, no, that's like fine, right? Like it's not going to happen. But the thing is like, no matter how much argue, like how much logic you have behind your argument, ultimately you will always lose because the argument that you can't win is them just saying, well, you're younger, like you don't understand anything, right? So I think in that sense, it does create like this conflict where it's hard sometimes to... um to feel like you can like be yourself or like pursue the things that you want to pursue. 
And obviously that's like a simple mm. example, but you can see like how that extrapolates to like a lot of other parts, right? Right. So, so that that's a super interesting point because I think there's so many cases where, yeah, like you, you, you're working under the assumption that the younger individual in a certain setting doesn't have as much knowledge or information about the certain topic on hand. But mm. in reality, that may or may not be true. So how do you kind of give yourself the push to just say, you know what, maybe they don't have all the information and I can make this decision for myself, whether that means I have to, and kind of what decision do you take? Sometimes you have to like walk away from that setting and situation mm-hmm. and say, you know, I have enough belief in my knowledge and, you know, my understanding of the certain topic at hand, or do you somehow find a way to work out the compromise? Like, how does your identity play into that yeah. situation? Like, how strongly do you believe in that self-knowledge that you have? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, I think like the way I approach it nowadays that I realize is that like the first thing is that really like I just try to give what my like what let's say like people in my family say less value, not less value, but like I try to make give them less power over me, if that makes sense. Like I think like half of like the reason why it's like like kind of like hard to communicate with them is because like I give what like give power to whatever they say right so if they like automatically say like okay well like you're younger you don't know anything or like blah 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 eventually I'll give in and I'll just say like okay like you know what like yeah they're right right like they have to be right so then and I like and then it becomes like oh like I don't want to like make them upset blah 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 fine I'll just listen to them so like lately it's been more of like a this navigation of trying to be of trying to just like say what like I want to do and just like not listen right? Like, so it's not no longer like I'm asking for permission for anything, or I'm asking for acceptance. I'm just telling them out of like courtesy, like, this is what I'm going to do. Right. And like, hopefully you can support me. And like, if you can support me, great. If you don't want to support me, well, too bad. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And it's, it's obviously like very difficult, right? Because like, this is like, kind of counterintuitive to like everything you do when you're growing up. But I realized like uh-huh. now that's kind of like the only way to move forward. And like, yeah, it obviously creates like a lot of friction and like problems sometimes. But I've, yeah, I realized like you just kind of have to like trust yourself and just like go for it, right? And like, even if you're wrong, at the very least, you knew, you knew like you were acting on your best judgment at that time, right? And there's uh-huh. like nothing like you can really regret about that. Whereas like, yeah, if you just give in to what other people are talking about, then um, I mean, yeah, you never know what like could have happened, right? Right. Yeah. I think that idea of just letting go of kind of the expectation yeah. that people have of you is super important that I think us as especially millennials have a it, it, not necessarily millennials at whole, but like us particularly have a tough time coming to terms with, especially I think one of the things I'm curious to know your own take on is kind of the immigrant mentality in terms of like how immigrants versus like, you know, their kids, like obviously we're both like, you know, children of immigrants and there's a certain yeah. kind of narrative that kind of feeds into children of immigrants as well as you know kind of looking at you know the western society versus the rest of the world in terms of how they go about thinking from a collectivist versus individualistic perspective um there's obviously a lot of conflict and it's like i'm just curious to know what your take is on that and in terms of how you also have that color your own ideas about how you go about navigating that communication you have yeah, I mean, I mean, well, I think it's like, 
I think it's like a very interesting dynamic, right? When you have immigrant parents and then you yourself are like, you know, like the first one that should like really grow up in America. Uh Um, And I think it's just because like, there's like obviously an immigrant mentality, right? Like when they're like coming over here, the only thing they're thinking about is like, all right, like I need to establish a life here. And I like will probably like not find success in my own life, but I'm going to work so damn hard that by the time like my kids like become like, you know, like my age or whatever here, they're going to be so successful. Like I'm going to set them up for success. So in that sense, it create it's like this really weird situation where it's like, we look at a lot of immigrant parents, the way like they view value in their own lives is not through like the things they do, but, me- but exactly like based off of what their kids are doing. You know what I mean? Like they find value in their life because their kid went to Harvard. Like that's it. Like nothing else in their own life. Like they, they're not like us where they're like, oh, like I love my life because, you know, every morning I get on a run, you know, I do races or like I love cooking. Uh-huh. It's like, no, like none of that's true for them. It's just a working mentality to make sure their kids are successful. And I think like that's where the, I guess the conflict starts happening with them and their right. kid because it's the expectation that they have for what they think success means versus like what their kid ultimately grows up with and like wants to do. Mm-hmm. And that's really where all like the tension is, if you think about it, right? Like mm-hmm. if every parent wants their kid to go to Harvard, be a lawyer, be a doctor, mm-hmm. not every kid wants to go to Harvard or like, you know, be a lawyer. Um, and I think like that's really where this generational discrepancy comes from is what like the parents expect and also, but then like the kids like, you know, trying to build their own lives, you know. So, so when you finally kind of come to terms with that conflict, h- how much greater sense of relief and power do you personally feel? Is there still something always kind of niggling away in the back of your mind thinking, you know, like you were saying, this is how I grew up. And now yeah. I'm kind of detaching myself from those like cultural values in a sense. But at the same time, you want to st- kind of stay close at home to those values. Like how much power does that give you being able to just say, you know, this is who I am. This is kind of the way I want to navigate this entire narrative of my life. But at the same time, how much does kind of that niggling idea in the back of your mind affect you? Or does it come to a come to a point where it's like, it's very minimal at this point, it really doesn't affect me. Yeah, I mean, so I would say that, yeah, like coming to terms with something like this brings a lot of relief, because I think it clarifies a lot of, at least, again, this is like more of like my experience. I don't know how this translates to other people's experiences. But in my opinion, if you grew up in and with like immigrant parents, that's like the first obstacle in your own life to figuring out your own identity and like what you want to do. in life. Because no matter what, it's like, at least again, for me, there's always like a nagging voice in your head, right? Telling you, exactly what your Asian parents are telling you, right? Because basically they have like embedded that voice into you. And mm-hmm. so no, like, if you don't try to like figure out where that voice came from, or you don't try to make peace with that voice, you're just going to keep going on and trying to make decisions like that you want to do. And you're always going to feel at conflict with yourself. But in right. reality, it's like not in conflict with yourself. It's just like the way you grew up, like those like voices are still in your head and you need to find a way to like, not even just like suppress them because I don't like think things like that is possible. It's more like you have to acknowledge the voices are there, but just like ignore it, you know, mm-hmm. and just be mm-hmm. like, Nope, like that's not my voice. Like I don't care about those things. Um, but obviously like it always still kind of nags at you every now and then. Right. 
but I think like the the other thing that helped me was realizing that like yes Asian parents want like this they want like this like success that like wants to give you this level mm-hmm. of success right but in reality it's not the way like I thought about it was like it's not really about just success right like this title and stuff the right. underlying part of all this is like they just really want you to be happy right Right, in their right. eyes, it's just like happiness can only be obtained via status, money, et cetera, like et cetera. So mm-hmm. as long as you are pursuing, uh, the way I think about it is like, as long as you're pursuing a path in your life where you know, like you are going to be happy and you can then demonstrate to your parents, like, yeah, like, look how happy I am. And they can also see that you are happy. And I think like, that's fine. Right. At the end of the day, like later down, like on the, like down the road, I think like you can make peace with your parents that way. Right, right. Yeah. So kind of shifting gears, I'm kind of interested. It's, it's somewhat related in terms of kind of the the communication style, right? Between kind of the older generation, like take, for example, our parents and, and yeah. ourselves. How much do you think the way technology kind of plays into that way in which we communicate, right? Because like, like you said, parents want us to be happy or, you know, people that are older than us just simply put, want us to be happy. And it's yeah. really, and they grew up in an age where there was no technology. So it was a very yep. authentic version of seeing whether or not you are happy versus now it's like, oh, you know, obviously people go off and do their own thing. They're like in different states or different countries doing their own thing. And like, here's a picture of me being super happy, kind of where I am in life. But, you know, there's the whole stigma of how our generation growing up in tech, like this technological age, there's like mental health issues. And so parents can't really see that. They're like, oh yeah, my son, my daughter, they're doing super fine. Like, look at mm. them, you know? So, so there's kind of a disconnect because there's a lack of authenticity and maybe just, maybe there's an issue with like us and our generation wanting to hide behind technology and like, yeah. and wanting to avoid the issues. Though I think the pandemic kind of has mm. eradicated that, that issue where now people are kind of coming to terms and wanting to have a more authentic relationship and interaction with others. So. I'm just curious your take being someone who like yeah. knows a great deal about technology. Like what do you think technology has in terms of a role to play in that disconnect? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the best way to describe technology is not that like it's a replacement for authentic experiences or relationships, but merely it serves as a way to push those experiences to extremes, right? And what I mean by that is on one end of the spectrum, you can obviously have, you can have like super authentic experiences online, right? Things that like Uh you couldn't do outside, like in the normal world, for example, like we can now talk to, you know, like all our friends around the world and Uh all it takes is us just clicking a button. And that really does provide like pretty, like good, like communication, right? You think about it back then, all they had was like mail, right? Like they literally just had to write mail. Like that was not, a good way of communicating but on the other side of that like the more like i guess nefarious side of that is like yeah like it does create situations where then we have very inauthentic experiences right and mm-hmm. these inauthentic experiences you know are obviously things like you know like posting on instagram or like just like right. you know i mean like people going out quick tangent because i think it's like such an interesting no, thing but like so there was like an alton brown interview where he talked about how like it, how social media has changed in the landscape of food, like food culture. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, at first I was like, I was like, I thought it was like interesting. I was like, yeah, like how the hell does like, like social media change the way we perceive food. Right. And he talked about 
because of Instagram and Facebook and like Snapchat, the way people's expectations of food now is completely focused on the aesthetics and appearances mm-hmm. of food mm-hmm. rather than the experience of a food and the taste of a food. And the more that like, like sank into me, the more I thought that was true, right? Because if you think about it, like you've seen all these, all these like, you know, Instagram pictures, all these like, you know, cool, like hipster places where they have like mm. ice cream that like looks a certain way, or they have like all right. these things that are shaped really cool. But when we actually go there and we try it, A, we're like, this is overpriced as shit. And B, mm-hmm. it just like doesn't taste good. Right. But for some reason, these places are so hyped up. And then because they're part of like Instagram culture, it becomes part of our food culture, right? It becomes something that people talk about where they're like, oh, you go, you're going to like, you know, like, like LA, man, you got to try like that churro over like the ice cream, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like, mm-hmm. but that's like not an authentic experience, right? Like, for example, like if I were to tell someone like you're coming to LA, all right, dude, like we got to hit up like, you know, good Asian food. We got to hit up like taco mm-hmm. trucks. Like these are the authentic food places that people used to talk about because right. like of like the taste and the experience, not because of like purely the aesthetics or the looks. So I guess like, that's just like a good, so I like, you know, I think that's just a good metaphor or a good, like, it just demonstrates really the issue at large, right? Where like we do very simple things on like social media, but really it creates very in in like inauthentic experiences and ultimately i think the issue with these things is like people use it as a way to mask like problems that they're actually facing right because right. it gives them immediate gratification and so it's easy for you to like use these platforms as ways to like either like fill your time or like find like self-esteem or like you know people to like just upload your comments so you feel uh-huh. good uh-huh. but like that's just like hiding all the issues that you're really facing right like where like it's identity crisis you're just being lost in your life you don't know what to like pursue um yeah sorry that was like very a lot of answers but no no i think that's good and that was something that i think even i i personally i mean i'm sure all of us have gone through like it's like we go through the phase like especially in our generation oh social media you know these platforms super cool let me just kind of get on it and you know you get hooked on it and then that's kind of masking like you were saying the issues at hand and i think that also plays a really big role in terms of our the way we go about communicating across different generations because i i think it's it's played a role such that it's a crux almost like this is this is the crux we can use to say okay we are happy we are exactly what the you know older generations want from us even younger generations what have you But in reality, that's not the case. So it's like, how do we bring that authenticity back to the table? Like, what are ways of like the past, like of older generations and like ways of like our current generation or even people who are younger than us? What kind of methodologies or kind of ways of thinking and communicating do you think we need to adopt from, you know, generations different from ourselves to kind of give that more authentic experience at whole? Yeah, I mean, I think... Man, I think that's just like, that's a pretty hard question because I think like the simplest answer to all this, which I don't think is necessarily like the right answer for everyone, right? Like again, like I think social media like has its purposes, right? Like there are situations where like, it's fine, right? Like it makes sense to use, like, you Uh know, it really just depends on the situation. But I think the way, like the solution to most of this is like, I mean, we like seen the trend everywhere, right? It's like, yeah, just like delete facebook right just delete your social media mm-hmm. and i think the fear that people have when they first do that it's like when you ask them like okay like why don't you just delete it right like why why do you continue to engage in these platforms 
And the first answer that they always give you is, well, I won't be able to connect with my friends. Right. right? Yeah. Like, like, I'm going to be missing out. Like, people are going to be sending me shit. And then the more you think about that answer, though, you're like, mm, but how many of these people who are, like, liking your post, for example, do you actually talk to? Right. Uh-huh. So the way I think, like, to think about that is, yeah, like, you can just, like, delete these platforms and instead just use, like, more, more, like, personal forms of communication, right? Just, like, like, if you really, like, missed your friends or you really want to connect with your friends, then just message them. You know, mm-hmm, message right. them personally and be like, hey, like how, like what is going on with your life, you know? And that creates a, a way for you to have like better, like uh, conversations with people. But also I think it takes away from what social media is bad, like like that is bad about social media, which is just like, there's way too much content that you're consuming all at once. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It kind of like floods your brain and it's just, ugh, it's not good, man. Right. But yeah, basically I think like the simple answer, at least like the answer like I came to, is just, yeah, just message people. Right. Like realistically, like how many of your friends on social media that are liking your stuff are you actually like a friends with? But also B, right. would you even care to talk to? Right. Yep. Because if you yep. did talk, care to talk to them, then just message them. Exactly. Right? Like, what's the point of like sending this picture and then in your head be like, no, I'm like sending it out so like they can see it, but it's like <laughs> who's they? You know? Right. So, yeah. so I'm curious because I, I think that another thing is kind of going back to the idea of like different generations. One is like the simple answer for like our generations, yeah, just to message someone, like via text, yeah. via some sort of messaging app, or, you know, the older generation sometimes will, given the fact that they didn't grow up in a technological age, they would just be like, in person, obviously now with the pandemic, you know, yeah. you know, proceed with caution, but in person, have that conversation. So in your opinion, is there kind of, what are the pros and cons of just messaging someone versus actually doing an in-person conversation in like a safe situation obviously kind of what are the merits of each of those yeah i mean obviously you like i mean we people talk a lot about you know like how like messaging people like still kind of like not like in person like not personal so like obviously it doesn't like promote like good social behaviors like things like that blah 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 but honestly, I think like if when it comes down to like if you're just messaging your friends, like actual friends, you know, like not strangers. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think in a way they're one in the same nowadays. And I think it's more that's more of a reflection of just differing generation like generational differences, right? Mm-hmm. Um but like a good example of this now is that like now that there's like a pandemic and stuff, like my grandparents, that's actually like the ways that they communicate with their friends now. That it's like they message each other. You know, like oh, really? they're like on their like messaging messaging platforms. Somehow they all learn to use messaging <laughs> platforms, and uh-huh. they're like sending each other like news articles. I mean, like every so often they'll call each other and be like, "Oh, do you see my message?" Blah blah. blah. Uh-huh. But, like I think that's becoming. But that only shows you that like it's in a way. You know, there are parts of social media that are perfectly normal, and really they just represent an evolution in the way that we do communicate as we like progress right in technology and so forth. So I mean. Personally, yeah, I think messaging is fine as long as, as long as like it's being done in a very like authentic way. Like you're not trying to hide yourself. You're not trying to like pretend to be something that you're not. Like as long as you're messaging people mm-hmm. the same way you're talking to people in normal life, then yeah, you know, it's fine. Right, exactly. And I think now we have like the platforms, especially like these video conferencing tools where you can yeah. actually have the actual conversation kind of quote unquote live as if you're there with the person but at the same time you know with 
you know, the added benefit, Oh, I can't see someone across the world, you know, due to certain constraints. Yeah. So I think, and this is the authenticity, right? You're not hiding behind, you know, some sort of, you know, device or something. And you know how you were saying, sometimes messages are kind of cryptic. Like, well, what does that exactly mean? Like yeah, the yeah. actual meaning yeah. behind the messages and conveyed, whereas now it's like, facial expressions, actually kind of seeing each other and, you know, the way we're communicating, I think is super beneficial. So, so yeah, I, I'm super glad we had this conversation. Uh, I, I know you probably are pretty busy, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, but though I know you and I can probably go on for another hour and a half, we probably will after this, but, um, you know, at the end of each episode, I like to kind of go through this final segment called the three keys to relationships. So these are um, three questions I ask guests in to kind of, you know, gain insight in terms of their own relationship philosophy. So um, I'm kind of curious to get your answers on these questions and you can elaborate as much as you want. These aren't like quick fire questions or anything. Um, so the first question I have is what's your number one relationship, a relationship red flag? And this goes for like any type of relationship friends, family, romantic partners, you know, professional colleagues, what have you? Yeah, I think. So I guess like, I, I don't really like the way people describe red flags nowadays, because I think it, I know this is supposed to be a simple answer. No, but no, I guess no, it's go not on, so go much. On. Yeah, but like, I don't like the way people describe red flags nowadays, because it kind of like per it kind of like feeds into like the same mindset, right. That people have where it's like, Oh, like there should be general things that we all accept as like mm -hmm. being true. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. what I've like learned from my experience is like, everyone has different red flags, but that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we're all right. different people. So right. we should all have different tolerances of things that like we are either okay or like not okay to. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think, so I think it's like really when it comes to like red flags, it's just like, yeah, man, like you just got to, discover for yourself like what are the limits you're willing to go for you know not just like in you know not, like in whatever relationship this is right you have to be able to understand yourself and like what you are okay with and then what you're not okay with and so i guess you know you, know, you don't need to listen to anyone else if anyone else is like oh like it's a red flag that he didn't you know like that he didn't i don't know like text you back within one minute that's a big red flag <laughs> yeah. and then you're just like but like for you, like, let's say like you're type the person too, who doesn't text back that often, right? Then mm -hmm. why is that a red flag for you? You know what I mean? Because right, that's like right. not equal expectation. So again, like it's really dependent on like who you are. And I think like, that's why like in relationships, it's about, it's like relationships at the end of the day just are two people with their differences trying to find a way to make it work. And once mm -hmm. they make it work and they find like, and like after like they try to make it work and both parties like figure out like, Oh yeah, like I'm happy with the compromise that we are at in this middle, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, congratulations. Like you are in a happy relationship. Right. But like, mm -hmm. that's like all it is. So when it comes to red flags, it, it's about that process, right. About seeing what their differences are, what your differences are and seeing where or not you could come to a, a compromise that you're both happy with. Mm -hmm. No, I, I really like that answer. I think, yeah. I think, yeah, the the idea of red flag almost kind of draws kind of an absolute yeah. sort of connotation where it, for some people, like there are certain qualities they, did, they don't want to kind of mess with in a relationship yeah. from the get-go, whereas others, it's like you said, like a compromise. So I totally agree. And I actually really like that, you know, kind of angle on the idea and the question itself. So the second question I have is kind of kind of the converse of that. 
what's the most underrated quality you think when it comes to relationships? Let's see. I think, I mean, I don't know if it's like underrated, but I think nowadays, especially, it's probably just appreciating appreciating the insignificant days right? mm-hmm. i think but again maybe it's just like an issue of like not just like you know social media but i mean mainly social media right? like how we see celebrities portray like their relationships or like how even like you're you know like maybe some of your friends do it right like they take pictures with their boyfriend girlfriends like they're going places uh-huh. around the world they uh-huh. show like all the great food they're eating and that creates an expectation that like oh like within relationships like this is this is like you know what defines a good relationship but i think if anything else those days should not matter as much right like yeah those are like fun memories to have and fun experiences to have but the most underrated part of relationships are just the days where you do nothing right Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. just like how you feel during those days like if you just feel like super comfortable with that person right it's just like Mm -hmm. and then like those are like great days to have like to to appreciate right Right. Yeah, basically, like my point is just like the insignificant date. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because those those more often than not will take up like ninety percent of your livelihood, whereas like the other ten percent, it's like you only get that ten percent of the time. So yeah, what is what is it? Or does that leave the other ninety percent? So I completely agree, and like I think both you and I have come to that the point in life where like we enjoy the ninety percent more than the ten percent. We enjoy you know going on those kind of like extravagant trips like if we can but like we much rather enjoy the 90 percent because we understand this is kind of where the meat life is anyway so oh, yeah so I, it's also like it's also like if you don't learn to appreciate the insignificant moments not just in a relationship but just like in life in general i it creates like a deep unhappiness where because mm-hmm. you're not like constantly experiencing these thrills you're in this mood where you're like oh like what is my life then yeah. But like that's like the point, you know, like there's not like life is life. Like mm-hmm. I think you just have to accept that the majority of your life is like nothing's gonna happen, right? Like there's not gonna be like, you know, a, a roller coaster outside your house every day where you can just ride. So it's about you creating significance in these insignificant mm-hmm. times, right? Like for example, if you're just at home all day and you're doing nothing, then like like make something of that day. You know yeah. what I mean? It could yep. be anything. Like, it doesn't need to be like, oh, like some crazy goal. It could just be like, oh, yeah, like today, like I am just going to enjoy TV. And then to yourself, mm-hmm. you're going to be like, that was great. Like, that was a great day. Like, I was able to like, finish a TV show or like, mm-hmm. oh, be like, oh, I'll cook myself a nice meal today. Right. Or like, oh, I'll message a friend and let's see like what they're up to. But it's about like finding things that make you happy, no matter how like unadventurous they may seem, as long as they can give you some like level of meaning. Then mm-hmm. I think like that's, those are like, yeah those are like good days yeah exactly and so the third and final question is what is your own kind of mantra or slogan when it comes to managing relationships um so i can kind of give you kind of like what this show kind of centers around is the idea that we don't make relationships but that we make relationships better that's kind of the slogan or mantra this show is all about so i'm curious kind of if you had to come up with some sort of slogan or mantra for how you manage relationships what would that kind of boil down to Yeah. Um I mean I think I think everyone says it. 
but at the end of the day, I really think it's just, it's communication, right? Uh-huh. And it's not communication in the sense that it's like, it's a communication like two ways. First, it's like with whoever is in this relationship with, with you, right? No matter what it is, like it's a romantic one or a professional one, doesn't matter. It, you have to be able to convey everything to this person, right? I mean, obviously you have to find like, you know, some filter, but it, like, it's not just like un, like happy thoughts. It's about unhappy thoughts too. It's about like mm-hmm. trying to actually like say all these things and not be afraid of like what they might say back. Because again, like the point of like all relationships in my view is everyone is like different people and you're trying to just find a compromise. And as long as you can find a, like a compromise that both parties are happy with and like, you know, like, and maybe even that compromise makes you as both like better people, then I think like, that's like, that's all you're asking for, right? Like that's like it, the, the goal of relationships. So that means you have to be able to like express all your unhappiness and your happiness to this okay. person in order uh-huh. to like achieve like you know achieve that and i think the other side of the communications like like on top of that like you just have to keep like communicating with yourself man like i think like yeah. life and like the way we navigate relationships is ultimately also about the way we navigate our own self-identity right because uh-huh. it's like you can't be happy if you're with someone else unless you can figure out how to be happy with yourself but because yep. like we're constantly like growing as individuals like we are constantly learning more and more about ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. So it's about like learning about like how you're changing and what your beliefs are and like all that. And then being able to communicate that with whoever else is in this relationship with you. They communicate back with you. You guys like both hopefully, like the differences hopefully come together and make something even better. And then that, yeah, you know, like that's the way I view like relationships, you know? No, and that's... again, like, like, you know, if communication fails and then you go downwards and like, that's just how it ended up being, right? Uh-huh. Like, as long as you were uh-huh. truthful to yourself and you know, like, this is who I am. These are like the values I have. These are my red flags and it doesn't mesh well with the other person. Then you can say like, fine, then like, it's fine. You know, like that's when the relationship like goes apart. Uh-huh. No, yeah, completely agree. And I think that kind of ties things up together really well for this episode in terms of communication at the end of the day is super important, but it's something that's often really overlooked in terms of understanding okay. different idiosyncrasies, looking at generational differences, looking at cultural differences, societal differences, et cetera. So, um, you know, I, I'm super glad we had this conversation today. And um, I know we talk about this often, just kind of offline, but uh, I hope that the audience can kind of really take a lot of different, you know, tidbits from this episode. Um, there's a lot of cool things that I think you mentioned that the audience can really kind of learn from. And I learned from you a lot this episode. So I'm glad that you were able to come on the episode, even though you're probably thinking like, Oh, what could I have possibly learned from you? No, trust me. There's a lot of things I've learned. So, um, yeah, thanks Nick for coming on the, on the show today. And I'm super excited to see how the audience kind of, kind of, you know, reacts to this because i think this is kind of a really interesting topic that i'd love to go more into detail with maybe with you or with others kind of in the future so definitely would love to have you back and yeah i hope you enjoyed the show today yeah thanks thanks for having me Sean. thanks for tuning in to this episode everyone remember we don't make relationships we make relationships better <laughs>